AT&T ThreatTrack is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. So the great thing about ThreatTrack is that we can talk about things uh, on, a, on a weekly basis and it's very timely uh, to what's going on in the real world. So for example, we spoke uh, today about the WebEx vulnerability that uh, was just recently discovered. So Manny, I hear you have a story about a new WebEx uh, vulnerability. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is one that uh, just, just popped up um, and it seemed pretty critical. Um, whenever you're talking about something having to do with WebEx, it, uh, it's always something that uh, uh, people pay attention to. So I, I thought this would be a good one to kind of talk through. So <clears throat> this is a, another one that has been found by one of our favorite uh, reporters, uh, Travis Ormandy, um, from the Google Project Zero. And um, he also worked with uh, a guy, uh, Chris Necker of Divergent Security. He found a, a vulnerability in Cisco's uh, WebEx uh, extension as part of the Chrome and Firefox browsers. The big danger with this one is its remote code execution ability. If they can trick the user into visiting a website and they are running this vulnerable extension, a browser extension, in essence, they get full control over pretty much everything on the, on the operating system. He reported it to Cisco back on July 6th of this year. Um, and Cisco quickly turned it around, I think within less than a week, turned it around and pr pr you know, produced a, an update to the extension. WebEx, as we probably all know, is pretty uh, well used uh, right. application, right? So the numbers that I saw here were that there's something like 20 million users of WebEx, the WebEx extension from just the Chrome browser. It's affecting quite a bit of, of, uh, of folks. It affects about 20 million users of this extension, which today is used uh, widely in, um, in video and uh, conferencing uh, applications. The pool of people this impacts is pretty big. And probably the majority of those people are not really aware that they need to update and patch uh, you know, these types of uh, extensions and things like that. They probably assume that their IT is going to handle it, and, I don't, you know, that may be the case and that may not be the case. I think the problem is that uh, WebEx is used by, you know, in corporations for communications to so every level of the company, yeah. in most companies. And I think there's going to be a varying level of individuals at all of these companies that are, you know, they're able to, to update and people that probably don't even consider updating. So I think that's where the real danger is, is the people that don't even think that they, or even understand that they need to update these, uh, these extensions. Right, and, that's, and that's, the key, that's gonna be the key here, is to actually update the, the actual extension. There has been no evidence so far, that's as of today, that this has actually been exploited in the wild. But as we all know, now that it's sort it's of there. public right. knowledge, you can guarantee that there's going to be some folks that are going to start looking at trying to do this, especially since you know the um, it, it's it's basically drive-by, right? So if you're and you have so many users that are actually using this, right. it, it's it's a pretty uh, pretty soft target of right. you know a large target of of folks that you can go after on this. So I think uh, we're all probably fortunate that uh, one of the good guys found this vulnerability and not one of the bad guys. Yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's always better that you know you find this out as you know, somebody was responsibly uh, disclosing something like this as opposed to finding it as a as a zero day out there. But you know, again, it still also depends on how quickly your path is to updating, updating and patching yeah. these things. Yeah, I think that's always the key is uh, making sure your machines are updated and patched properly because there's always someone out there that's going to be able to take take advantage of uh, unpatched systems. Yeah, yeah, and if if anybody wants to read some of the details, there's obviously some details. Travis obviously wrote out some of the details about how he went about, you know, why he started to look in this in this space. Um, and some you know technical details about the actual um, vulnerability itself, which go, goes into some of the, um, I think it was actually some JavaScript and some sanitation um, uh, functions that he found that were were vulnerable, that were faulty. Fortunately for this situation, uh, you know one of the good guys actually found this vulnerability, and it wasn't one of the bad guys. You know, and it's just a matter of time before someone actually takes advantage of this vulnerability and uses it for bad purposes. So it's the window of time to do what you need to do is very limited and it's important to do what you need to do as it always. You know, I would consider it as a part of your job to make sure that you're protected because you're protecting your company. You know, there's a lot of things that go along with that. So, so hey Manish, I heard uh, you have a story you were reading up on on some new malware, something uh, called Lock POS. That's right. Arbor Networks recently uh, discovered a new uh, point-of-sale malware, and they named it LockPOS. So LockPOS is very similar to a lot of the existing point-of-sale malware. It's pretty stable. It doesn't do anything crazy, but uh, you know it scrapes the RAM for credit card data. Right. You know it does a lot of the typical things that uh, most uh, point-of-sale malware does. So in essence, it's stealing credit card information from your NPOS device. POS standing for point of sale. What's interesting about it is it's uh, it's distributed via the FlockyBot botnet, and it shares the same command and control server as FlockyBot. Um, so it's uh, Arbor. Um, they think that maybe the same uh, actor that uh, created and distributed FlockyBot is also uh, uh, you know now responsible for the lock POS uh, malware. One of the things is uh, FlockyBot really targeted Brazil, which was kind of surprising to me, and uh, you know and they're Arbor thinks that same, the same thing is going to happen with Lock POS. They're going to heavily target Brazil, and I was curious as to why Brazil. So I started, look, uh, you know, looking into mm -hmm. it, and apparently Brazil is like, as far as uh, cybercrime goes, they're, they're like the number two country, where, um, you know, for their rate of cybercrime. Okay. Um, and I, you know, and I, doing a little more research, it seems that uh, it's a combination of there's, you know, law enforcement response to cyber. Crime is very limited, okay. and I think uh, the lead up to the Olympics uh, out in Brazil had, you know, also impacted that. And it seems like there's a lot of varying degrees of cybercrime going on there. There's, that, you know, all related to the criminal aspect and, uh, you know, for monetary gain, basically. The, re the reason I'm concerned with uh, point of sale malware is because it really, it really impacts those that are the most vulnerable. So you have these small businesses that. You know, whether you're, you know, a retailer or a restaurant, let's take a restaurant, for example, you know, you go through your day, you want to make sure that you're providing good service to your customers, you're providing good food to your customers and things like that. That's the main thing that is, is of your concern. It's, it's a situation where they now have to become experts in cybersecurity. And I think that's not going to happen. They don't have an IT budget. They don't have a cybersecurity budget. 
chances of them being able to defend themselves and protect themselves are very slim. My concern is that a lot of these smaller uh, retailers and restaurants, you know, they're not, they don't have, uh, you know, anyone working their cyber, you know, their uh, security systems and things like that. And right. it's, you know, it's probably up to the general manager or the store owner to kind of handle these things. And they're probably not well versed in cybersecurity at all. And I think that's where the, you know, it's a huge problem for, especially when it comes to something like this. Right. And I was kind of surprised because, you know, the, you know, through in Brazil, they use the chip and chip and pin. And here we're starting to heavily use the chip and signature and some chip and pin, but mostly chip and signature. Right, but yeah. there's still a lot of retailers that, and even larger retailers, not even the smaller ones, that haven't upgraded their point of sale systems for, you know, for varying reasons. It's whether it's a, mon you know, the monetary cost of upgrading the right. systems or, you know, I'm not really sure what, why they haven't, but there's a lot of, I'm surprised at the amount of retailers that I visit that right. still ask you to swipe. Were there numbers associated with how much they're actually seeing of this down there? I mean, and, it, and has it spread out from Brazil? I, uh, no, there's, you know, there, was, there was no real numbers from the report that I read from Arbor. It just seems to be something that just recently uh, they discovered. So they're probably gathering those statistics right now. Okay. Um, but uh, one of the things I found interesting is I guess they probably, Arbor named it from the command and control uh, you know, it operates over HTTP and, and the user agent is Lock. So that's probably how they got the name, Lock POS. Lock POS, okay. Hmm. So it's probably a, a good one to, to just start keeping an eye on right. just to make sure that... Right. It doesn't you know. spread for outside of Brazil. And, right. Because, you know, it's like I said, it's pretty, it's from what Arbor reported, it's a stable piece of uh, malware. So, and it's spread by uh, a botnet, Flocky bot. So the potential for it to you know, move further out from Brazil is pretty good. Right. Part of that is, um, you know, the actors that are distributing this malware, you know, in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, do they want to contain it to Brazil because they have a handle on Brazil and they're, you know, there might be from the from the area and they're right. able to, you know, know what to do with the credit card data and how, where to sell it and things like that. Or right. do they not want, um, you know, uh, maybe international law enforcement maybe now going after them and things like that. So it really, you know, it's very dependent on the actors themselves. The possibilities of this, of something like this spreading outside of Brazil is, is a factor that you always have to pay attention to because you've got either other actors who decide, hey, look, that's a good piece of malware. I'm gonna go try to use this and bring it over to somewhere else. Or that we don't know yet whether or not it's just in its early stages and They've, all they've done is just targeted Brazil, but their next target is to move outside of Brazil. So we always have to be cautious um, and uh, mindful that some of this type of malware could you know, spread out from outside of the originating country. You know, I wonder if you know, understanding the malware better, uh, I don't, but I wonder if, if how, what the potential is if it does somehow migrate into the US, what our risk is here. So sure. based on the type of equipment that's normally used here, <clears throat> perhaps in some of the larger retailers. Now, you know, again, we still have some of those problems here in the US with the smaller retailers mm -hmm. who are still struggling with older POS systems and they still may be vulnerable to that kind of stuff. But I'm wondering if like <clears throat> for the masses, is that still going to be a problem if it, if it does show up here? Sure, I feel probably 
what you're saying is correct. Is yeah. for the masses, it's probably an issue. And I think the, you know, the larger retailers, they've become better at defending against these things. They're not great at it because we still, you know, hear about uh, point of sale malware affecting right. these larger retailers all the time. Um, but I think uh, for some of the larger retailers, it's become uh, they've become targeted by more sophisticated actors, criminal actors. Yeah. Uh, whereas the less sophisticated criminal actors uh, can heavily target the, you know, the smaller retailers and restaurants and right. things like that. Yeah. And I think that's they're the ones that are going to be impacted by this one. So from a small retailer perspective, probably keeping, trying to as best as you can, keeping your POS systems isolated. completely isolated yep. from anything else that you have connected to the internet. Right. Um, is probably, probably the, the best option, group. yeah. Right, yeah, okay. Hey guys, uh, I thought I'd join you for the internet weather segment uh, this week, and there's nothing really um, surprising as opposed to previous weeks, but there are a couple of infections that kind of manifested their way up into the top 10. Uh, so we're gonna take a closer look at a few of those. This is the most probed ports. So these are the ones, the ports that are probed by most by volume not necessarily by the number of sources. I like the, sort, the ones by sources because it usually shows you uh, botnet activity or yeah. uh, devices doing things in mass. So this can kind of get a little skewed by one actor doing a lot of activity on a particular port. Um, but in any event, the trend is basically true. You've got Telnet, SSH, you got your web, you got your Microsoft SQL Server on 1433 TCP, SMB file sharing 445 TCP. Some of these will show up again over on the uh, sources one as well. But let's take a look at the most sources probing because these are generally more interesting. The real interesting thing, in my opinion here, is if, you were, if we were to take a look at this chart probably six months ago, this 23 TCP slice in red would have been about 75% of the pie chart. Yeah. Um, it's actually come down quite a bit uh, as opposed to what it previously was. That's Telnet, most of that is uh, Internet of Things devices that get compromised with Mirai, any manner, Perserai, which we're going to talk about as well. There's a lot of these embedded IoT families of malware that all vie for these same devices and they keep taking them over. But they all scan for Telnet and they try to brute force the password on the device, get in, install their malware, and then they take it over and use it. Uh, 445 TCP is at the number two position. And we can actually, we're going to take a closer look at that one as well probably related to WannaCry. I would just kind of skip down. The only other one to me that's interesting is 81 TCP, which has been on the chart for a while. Port 81 is typically, it's called the web alternate port. Mm -hmm. A lot of people use it as an administrative web interface port, things like that. And there's actually a family of internet cameras that have a vulnerability that listen on that port. So we're gonna take a closer look at that one as well. So let's jump in. Here is the 23 TCP scanning activity. This is the number of sources scanning, and this is a three-year chart, so this shows you a lot of like history over the years of how the um, traffic shape has changed on this port. Most of the time this is IoT embedded devices like we've talked about before that run some sort of Linux and have Telnet open, often with a default password, and these actors that have malware they know of short list of all the passwords they try them if they get in they take it over but the interesting thing is way down here like three years ago it's about 50,000 scan sources per hour we're seeing and it kind of kept going up back in 2015 into 2016 
And then in, I guess, kind of the middle to maybe June timeframe of last year, it went gangbusters. So it went up to at a peak of maybe 450,000 scan sources per hour, which is a lot. That's a pretty significant botnet. The interesting thing to me is that this has kind of really creeped down here at the beginning of this year and it's continued to creep down. I think we actually talked about it last year. We're like, wow, it's starting to go down. I wonder right. if it'll continue that trend. And it has. I don't really have a specific explanation for that other than maybe people are becoming more aware of this problem. Devices are being swapped out that do have this vulnerability. Manufacturers in general are getting a little bit better about not shipping devices with default passwords that are easy to guess. So that's gotten better, but we're down to, you know, maybe 75,000 scan sources per hour, whereas we were back in 50,000 at the peak here. So that's a pretty big difference between 450,000 and 75,000. Still yeah. not where I want to be, but. We've, and we've seen, I think, some of the botnets that are, are supposed to be the good botnets that are actually supposed to be right. out there trying to fix the problems on, on port 23. So maybe that's having some effect. It could. On, that's on a the good point. Too. There are um, so why can't Karna was one of them, and then there was another one called Reincarna, uh, that was a good guy, so to speak, actor right. that was doing the same thing the malware does. But once they get on there, they try to lock the device down, right. so nobody else can take it over. Maybe that's you know uh, factoring into the decline here. I don't know if I'm. 100% in support of that behavior. <laughs> but <laughs> right. um, if this is the result, I'm not necessarily complaining. But uh, I'm sure if you went further back to three years, you'd probably have a larger spike where it went down and then went back and that and then started to go I back up. I don't think so. No. If we went back and I could try, it's kind of hard to go really far back in our reporting here. But I bet you if we went back like six years, it would actually be boop, 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 like hardly anything. Like you would so not see hardly this is the, the big spike in around June of last year. Is that attributed to a specific event like a malware or something? Yeah, it probably was. And I don't think it was. It might be Mirai. That sounds, yeah, about, sounds about right. right. right? It's like the right. May, June time frame. Yeah. Um, and then it trailed off towards the end of the year. But uh, there's probably some other families like, you know, um, Lizard Squad had right. their family of malware that was really big. They're using it for DDoS activities. It got pretty large. So there are a few actors that were really scooping up a lot of these devices um, during that time period. Now they're looking for different ports too. So we're gonna talk about that with port 81 uh, in a second. Hopefully on the positive side, it may be that there's some cleanup that's actually happening today. And that's why we're not seeing so much of the scanning happening on port 23. The other side of it could just could be that, you know, it's shifting to something else. So this one's kind of interesting, 445 TCP, this is the Microsoft basically file sharing SMB port. This is a 180 day chart. And for a long time, it's been pretty like static in terms of how much scanning activity and the number of sources we see. Um, so it's, you know, maybe around 10,000 scan sources per hour, pretty consistently. I pulled up the Wikipedia page for WannaCry just to see if they actually had the like kind of exact date or whatever the general consensus was. They actually have on their page May 12th to May 15th is about when the initial outbreak of WannaCry occurred. If you look here, that's right about when this big spike occurs in this chart here, uh, roughly. We actually have maybe a little bit of an early indication in our data prior to May 12th. But at the time, I don't think we really had like any kind of idea, oh, what is this, you know? Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to read the tea leaves 
but you know, retrospectively, it gets a little bit easier. Um, the other interesting thing is this has kind of continued to grow upwards in terms of the amount of devices scanning on it. So we know that there's a couple of family malware you know, using this, WannaCry being one of them, uh, NotPetya, uh, there's some rumors that it uses that as well. I don't think I've actually seen a sample of it. Um, and I believe that there's some other actors out there using it as part of their stuff. This um, port, they're mostly targeting that family of exploits in the MS-17-010 category. Eternal Blue, Eternal Synergy, Eternal Romance. Yep. Uh, Eternal Blue is the one that WannaCry uses most, and that's why we're probably seeing most of this shape here. So interesting, something to keep an eye on. I didn't really know or have any expectations of how this might change, but now we're up around maybe 28,000 scan sources per hour at peak, where the normal baseline was down around about 10,000. So it's more than double, it's almost tripled in size from where it had been consistently for many years, pretty much. It's always been kind of around that. We saw a graph that was showing a significant increase in the last couple of months of port 445 traffic, and that really right now doesn't look like it's, you know, it's in any position to slow down. So, I mean, we're probably, based on the graph and what we're seeing, you know, to current date today, we're probably, you know, if we were predicting, it's probably going to hold for a little while longer at these higher levels for this because of, because of this vulnerability that's right. still being actively exploited out there. Right, and um, we do know, well, go ahead. No, and I was just gonna say that, you know, it, you know, as we all know today, all of this can sort of be mitigated by simply just pushing the patch that came out back in March. Right, for the most part. For Push the, the part. patch, run like the uh, Microsoft malicious software removal tool, which does have detections for WannaCry, right. should remove it, um, unless it's a really exotic version of it, but right. most of it is not and um, that should help. But there are definitely a lot of machines, I don't know why people do this, but people put machines out on the internet and then they don't patch them. Right. So they're sitting there not going to Windows to automatically update. Or maybe they, they have it set up to go to like check Windows for update, but it doesn't automatically install and um, unless a human intervenes. And that becomes a problem because mm -hmm. some of these machines, I guess people set them up and they leave them there, especially if it's like a vendor appliance or something. So I would recommend to people that they take a look at their networks more closely and make sure that they have good patching policies, that they have good understanding of if there are devices on their network that are not patched, that, um, that they get patched. Right. So. Last one I wanted to take a look at was the scan sources on port 81 TCP. And that's this HTTP alternate uh, port for web. And this is most likely related, uh, for the, I haven't checked the recent activity, but I believe it probably is still related to a family of malware called Perseri, which is a Mirai-like variant. The name is actually a conjugation of Persian and Mirai stuck together, and that's how you get Perseri, because the command and controls for this particular malware uh, use uh, domains in the .ir for Iran. This has been, it was really pretty significantly large when it initially came out, around 50,000 or so scan sources, the command and controls were sinkholed. They since became reactivated and they've taken it over again. Um, we can see the activity has kind of been 
out there where they're looking for more devices. This is actually expo or exploiting a vulnerability in a family of IP camera that is out there. Uh, they're also, you know, we've looked at a few of these bots that have this infection. They're scanning on 81, 82. I'm not sure what's on 82. They don't do that one as much for some reason. That might have been an accident, mm -hmm. um, like a typo. <laughs> Port 23, which is Telnet, which we talked about, and 7547, which actually has gone, whoop, disappeared off the chart, um, but for a long time it was in the top 10 chart. Uh, 7547 is the um, CPE WAN management protocol. There we go, I got it. <laughs> nice. Nice so it's used by uh, DSL modems, home routers, uh, usually by a service provider to manage that device. And Mirai also scans on that port as well. So anyway, it's, caught, it's come down quite a bit. Um, I haven't taken a close look at this botnet malware family um, since you know it initially came out. Definitely looks like there's still some activity uh, related to it. Do we know what Perserize trying to accomplish? Like what's the goal of it? Is it DDoS or? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I have not looked at the actual malware family. I do have a link to a write-up here that's actually a little bit dated now. It's back from April when it first came out. But um, the guys at 360 Network Security Research Lab put together a pretty good write-up of this family of malware, how it works, what it's trying to exploit. And I think they talk about, it might not be on this slide exactly, but I would recommend people go take a look at it if they're interested in this particular malware family, what family of uh, IP cameras it's actually targeting. The overall intent, what they're actually trying to do, I don't know, I haven't really looked. You know, some of them do DDoS, some of them do click fraud. It's hard to say, we'd probably have to take a look. You'd have to look at it a lot more closely, you know, sure. to find out what it is. We know Mirai was very heavily involved in DDoS behavior, right. but this is Perserize, so I don't know exactly what they're looking to do with the devices that they scoop up into it. The Perseri uh, scanning is interesting. Uh, again, you know, we need to look into why they're scanning. What are they looking for? What are their purpose for, for doing the scanning? When they find a vulnerable device, what are they trying to do? Is this a criminal actor doing this? Is this a nation state actor doing this? So like, there's a lot of uh, questions that I think we need to try to answer and I don't know that we are able to answer them. Uh, and that's it really for the internet weather this week. You always want to try to limit the services that you have available on the internet. If you're not using them, they should be turned off. You want to limit your exposure. You want to limit your surface area as to the best extent you can. You know, if you can limit the avenues where an attacker can get in, you're, you're better protected. Update and patch regularly. Um, we've seen it time and time again that a lot of times you can avoid the pains that, that come along with you know, these types of vulnerabilities now being exploited and then being introduced to the wild. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.